This is Soundtrack, a music podcast about the music that impacts our lives. Every episode is a conversation of how music has shaped and influenced one's life. Because music is the soundtrack to everyone's story. Soundtrack is hosted by Kyle Lichty. Hey everyone, I'm here with Allison Whitaker. How's it going? Good. Yeah, it's like, you know, beautiful weather outside today, so yeah, I really cannot it's... complain. I mean, I'm inside, but... <laughs> it's been great the, the past few days. Yeah, it has. You're in Jenison at the moment, right? Yes, yeah, we currently live in Jenison. We've lived for about two years, so not super long. Yeah, Jenison's a uh, suburb of Grand Rapids. Mm-hmm. I'm in Grand Rapids at the moment. We're keeping socially distant. Yes. At this time, we uh, first met in 2012. Mm-hmm. We were coworkers at a, a camp, and you were actually in in charge of me. <laughs> yeah, kind of. I feel like that's such a loose term, you know, in charge of because I was like 21. Yeah, <laughs> but but you were you were like the point of contact. Yeah, yeah. Uh, above me. Yeah, lead like lead counselor for the counselors, kind of thing, like support. Yeah. Counselors. That's a better term for it. Yeah. And what's cool is even after that, you ended up being a coworker of mine at the school that uh, we both work at now. And so we've gotten to continue to get to know each other for the last, uh, what, three, four years now? Yeah. Yeah. I think this is fourth at least. Yeah. So it's been a while. Yeah. It's been really cool to to get to continue to know each other and the- and not work at camp anymore fun time yeah after, oh but, my goodness you know <laughs> we're we're not that young anymore, not that young anymore. <laughs> but i've also gotten to see brent a couple times and yeah. uh your daughter rowan as well yeah. and talk about soccer as well yeah which is pretty big game tomorrow so i know i know yeah. <laughs> so let's talk about your story you were born in California. I was. But you moved back to Michigan when you were little to a town called Adrian, which is close to Toledo in Ohio. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like if we wanted to go somewhere cool in Adrian, we could go to Toledo, Ohio or Ann Arbor. That was kind of it. Mm-hmm. So not that Adrian was a bad place to grow up, just not a lot happening all the time. Yeah. What was it like to be in Adrian. What was it growing up there like? I honestly I loved growing up in Adrian. I grew up in a phenomenal cul-de-sac. I had the best neighbors growing up. My neighbor down the street, Amanda and I are still friends to this day. We lived hmm. together in college and we're in each other's weddings. I got to ride my bike to the library and to Wendy's and <laughs> the gas station we had a Wesco in Adrian, which is weird because it's so far south. But yeah. like we went to get slushies and ride our bikes to the video store and So growing up in Adrian was fantastic. I think once, you know, we kind of got old enough to drive in high school, there was less to do. Like we could go to the park and maybe go see a movie, but it's, it wasn't as ideal um, being a teenager as it was being a kid. So we moved when I was 18, but yeah, growing up as a kid, I really loved it. There's nothing but good memories for me growing up. So growing up, you were raised in a, a, a Christian house. And so Christian music was pretty fundamental to what you were listening to. Talk about 
what that was like? So a lot of my music preference came from my mom, who she grew up Christian Reformed, actually. And they left the Christian Reformed church. Hmm, not, you know, I'm honestly not 100% sure. She might have been in her 20s. But my mom would consider herself a lover of rock and roll. And in our house, we did not listen to so much rock. But DC Talk... <laughs> Yeah. was not only the first concert that I ever went to, but my mom liked to crank the stereo and play DC Talk like while she made dinner in the car pretty much all the time. So Newsboys, DC Talk, that was a lot of my childhood. I'm pretty sure I know every DC Talk song ever made. And then like on the polar opposite, my dad, maybe they kind of like similar music, but my dad would have us listen to like Amy Grant. So Little First World Allison's on her way to school, like asking dad, can you please push in the Amy Grant tape? I'd really like to listen to the Angel song. <laughs> I mean, not like maybe your number one like kid song, but yeah, a lot of DC talk and a lot of Amy Grant. And then Point of Grace, which again, these are like old lady music, I feel like at that time in life. Yeah. But, but I loved them. And that is what a lot of we listen to. It's funny. I mean, that. It- because a lot of this is similar for me as well growing okay. up uh, in the 90s. Yeah. So it's not it's not anything unique, I, I feel like. It just, yeah, typical for like, how can you listen to Christian music as a kid that's not, I guess, super boring? Yeah. And it was fun because my mom loved him too. And she really was the, the reason why we listened to DC Talk as much as we did. So. Yeah. What was that uh, concert like? Yeah, gosh, I, I hardly remember. Um, it was at a place called the Christian Family Center in Adrian, which was connected to the school I went to. I went to a Christian school growing up. It was not like hugely advertised. And it, Adrian's not like a popular place. Although here's our one claim to fame. Okay, I'm sure we have more than that. But at some point, Britney Spears came and performed at the Lenawee County Fair. At one point in my youth, I did not wow. see her. So I can't confirm what year that was, but I know it happened. <laughs> so DC Talk, I, honestly, I hardly remember. I have pictures from the concert. Like I have a cool picture with Kevin Max, which is really the only famous person I've ever met. So <laughs> little girl Allison was cooler, I guess, than I am now. Or my mom was. <laughs> She'd got more stuff done than we did. But that's pretty much what I remember is that picture. As a kid, more so preteen, you started playing the flute. I did. Oh, I was in fifth grade. Yeah. How did that come about? And what was it like to be uh, a part of that? Fifth grade. So I was going to play clarinet because, as previously mentioned, friend Amanda played clarinet. But I, when all my friends, she was a year ahead of me. And so then when all my friends actually like went through the instrument picking process, they all picked the flute. So I was never going to be in band with Amanda. So I was like, okay, I'll play the flute. I don't care. So started in fifth grade. I loved band. I for sure was a band nerd. And I I loved everything about it. The concerts, being in band was fun. Playing music was fun. And then I continued. I switched to our public school when I was a freshman mm-hmm. in high school. And if you were in band, you also had to join marching band. And so before I even knew what marching band was, I was like horrified. It's like, I am not wearing that uniform I am not (laughs) participating in marching band I will not look that dumb and 
then I loved it. So I had nothing wow. to worry about. I loved being in marching band. Not like you can hear the flute in a marching band at all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, being part of marching band was not something I would have experienced if I had stayed at the small Christian school because they didn't have a football team. So yeah, I stayed in band all through high school and was probably one of my favorite classes. So I miss it sometimes. I miss like being able to play music. And when I go to the band room at the school we work at, I feel this like deep sense of nostalgia of like, oh yeah, yeah. I know what to do here. I could like <laughs> sit down next to one of these kids and join in on their music. So maybe I should, maybe I should do that. I still have my flute. I don't play it, but I have it. But being part of a band, like even if it's marching band, even if it's symphony band concert, whatever, it is so fun to be able to play music and to read music and interpret it. I just, I love band. No regrets there. What made it so fun for you? I had a lot of great friends in band. We did a lot of fun stuff. When I was in high school, band was always first hour. And it was just like the camaraderie of people who are in marching band because unfortunately, like some, yeah, you're kind of nerdy, but you're with other people that so deeply love what they do. And I feel like that's kind of rare in high school for like high school True. kids yeah. to like own what they love and be like, yeah, I am a band nerd. So I felt like there was some power in being like, yeah, we're all in marching band and we're all in this together. Um, my band director was awesome. He w- went to MSU, which like MSU's marching band is like a big deal. So he brought a lot of that pride, like even when he taught us and that was just contagious. So I had a great teacher and it was fun to play really loud music really early in the morning. Brett and I, my husband and I fight all the time because he was an orchestra. So we fight all the time, like which thing is our daughter going to be in? Is she going to play strings or is she going to play a wind instrument? (laughs) Oh, wow. Or both. (laughs) No pressure at all. Yeah, yeah. But you know, if if she wants to start early, I'll support that. Middle school comes around and Mm -hmm. Christian music is still highly influential for you. Yeah. Um, but it's it's taking more of a a, a turn towards female artists Mm -hmm. like Super Chick and Barlow Girl. And knowing you, (laughs) the conversations that we've had. What was it about Super Chick that was so appealing? Because I feel like mm. they formed your views as a woman. Yeah. So, like, middle school Allison, and you know what? This will not surprise you at all. Middle school Allison, in sixth grade, she was president of her class. Seventh grade, she was <laughs> vice president. Eighth grade, she was president of student council. Oh, like, my goodness. I know this does not surprise you. It doesn't surprise me either. Just so everybody knows. Uh, <laughs> Allison has a Leslie Nope poster. Yeah. I, well, I have a lot of Leslie Nope things. Oh, yeah. There's a, but that's like your real yeah. life influence. Yeah. It's not even real. <laughs> Although, my favorite thing that I've ever heard about Leslie Nope is that I said to a friend once, I know she's not real, but what she represents is real. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I feel that deeply almost every day, channeling my inner Leslie. Yeah. Just what would she even be thinking right now? about the world. I wonder that all the time. Like, what would Leslie be thinking right now? Anyway, that's not the purpose of this. (laughs) But it's worth mentioning. Super Chick, circling back, was, I feel like, hugely influential in forming that middle school identity and really, like, empowering who I was as a 12-year-old. 
So when I like look back on my middle school years, I don't remember a lot of, I guess, like self-doubt or those traditional, like very angsty middle school years of like, who am I? Mm-hmm. And I feel like I credit Super Chick for a lot of that. I liked Barlow Girl not as much as I liked Super Chick. Um, Barlow Girl is cool because they were an all-girl band. And right. um, Super Chick, not an all-girl band, but two female singers. Mm-hmm. One, they were like really relatable. It's what I was going through. I felt like they addressed a lot of preteen issues anyway. And so it was like I felt prepared before those things happened. They talked about like friendships. They talked about and sang about boys. They talked about what it meant to like be your own person and to be strong in what you believed. And not just from the spiritual side of it, just as like a human person, like you can go out and change the world. And so 12 year old Allison's hearing this and I'm thinking, yes, I can. <laughs> like, yeah. Yes, I can do that. Um, so I just like believed what they said and really took it to heart. And I don't think I realized how much I took it to heart. I didn't continue to listen to Super Chick in high school, but I stumbled upon listening to them again in college, like very early in college. And then when I listened, re-listened to these albums of my middle school years, it was like, oh, this is why I think what I do. And these like very deeply held feminist beliefs, I think they were rooted in Super Chick. I really do. I credit them for a lot of... Hmm feeling confident and wanting other women and girls to feel really confident and see their own ability. So I wish they were still a band. I wish they were singing songs about <laughs> women in their thirties now. <laughs> so, okay, let me read you the chorus of like one of my favorite songs. So the song is called So Bright. And this, um, so this album came out in 2002. So I was 12. So yeah. this really was 12 year old Allison. So the chorus says, stand up, write the soundtrack for your life. It doesn't happen to you. You happen to life. I was like, yes, that's right. Like I have control. I can take charge of what's happening, which is like powerful for a middle school kid to kind of wrap their brain around. So that another lyric from that same chorus, you're a light on a hill. You're meant to shine so bright. So it was like just giving my life so much purpose. And I I still love it. I read it now and I'm like, yeah, that's still true, Allison. You can still do that. So, so yeah, they also wrote the song One Girl Revolution, but it's basically about a song when it's like, I can be a one girl revolution. I can change the world by myself. Yeah. So I did also listen to a lot of Reliant K. I have this very fond memory of in eighth grade when we had to run the mile Mm -hmm. in gym class and a friend and I ran the mile together and we just sang like the entire Reliant K album, Two Lefts Don't Make a Right. Yeah. You know, that's what you do when you're in eighth grade so also listen to a lot of reliant k did you ever get to see uh, super chick live i did yeah so i saw them when i was in middle school i saw them once with another band and i can't remember who it was and then they magically came to grand rapids to sunshine church on the north end in grand rapids with barlow girl when i was in college and my older brother wow. took me isn't that like so sweet of him because he knew how yeah. much i loved them and i i this is embarrassing i skipped the barlow girl part because again like i liked them but not nearly as much so <laughs> we sat out the opener and then just stayed for super chick because that's who i wanted to hear <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't sound like allison at all no no not <laughs> that's a total surprise 
Yeah. So high school comes around yeah. and you go through a. Yeah, I would like to skip this part a little bit, but <laughs> it's real, I guess. But, uh, punk bands yeah. are appealing to you at this time. All time low, May Day Parade. <laughs> yeah. Uh, even even some screamo because of your friends. You said your friends, yeah. right? Yeah. And my brother, my older brother, listened to a lot of that, so it was just kind of like, "All right, fine, I give in." <laughs> well, talk talk about the like the punk and the screamo. How did that all come about? I don't know. I don't know where it came from. A lot of my high school music taste, for sure, was from my older brother. So if he was like, he was two years older than I was. So if he said this was cool, then I was like, "Got it. This is cool." So my 16th birthday, I listened to a band called The Starting Line. And my 16th birthday, my brother, who was in kind of like, I'll call it a band, but it wasn't a band. And so he and some of his friends at my 16th birthday performed a song by The Starting Line called The Best of Me. And I was like this. I am at the peak of coolness right now because they played this song at my 16th birthday party. And All Time Low... I liked and a lot of my friends liked. We listened to them. I actually went and saw All Time Low and Mayday Parade perform together in Toledo in high school. So, yeah, both of those bands I just really liked because I did. (laughs) It's like it's embarrassing to hear someone else say like, oh, Mayday Parade. But, man, I just really liked them. I only ever listened to one album. I truly couldn't tell you if they have more than one. (laughs) and you know this is the time before like spotify ever existed so like my life on the weekends was like burning cds on my computer and then playing on my cd player yeah it's such a great time such a great time (laughs) isn't it like trying to fit on like this cd like all of the titles of the songs that are on there because you can't just name it like summer 2010 because who even knows what's on there yeah i listen i listened to a lot of punk there was like a an album called punk goes pop do you remember that i yeah, and I it do. was like all of these bands, like All Time Low covered Rihanna's Umbrella. Yeah. And I loved that. <laughs> like their cover I thought was just so good. So I listened to a lot of that, like that album, The Punk Goes Pop for sure. And then in regards to the Screamo, I don't know that I ever liked it. I listened to a lot of Devil Wears Prada because the friends that picked us up on our way to school like 7 a.m. open the van door and like screamo music and it was like all right i'm just so weird let it out on the way to school (laughs) um so like that's what they listened to and i hung out with them so a lot of it i feel like i knew by association not because i chose to listen to it on my own right i did still listen in high school to a lot of reliant k um i listened to fm static and there is a band that i cannot remember for the life of me and it's like really driving me crazy i almost had it just then there's another like male artist band that was a christian band oh i got it hawk nelson yeah yeah <laughs> listen to a lot of hawk nelson in high school too so okay. it wasn't ju- i mean i don't know if that's better but it wasn't just just the uh delightful songs of Mayday Parade and All Time Low. But that it, that persisted for quite some time, I will say. A majority of high school. Yeah. Yeah. College comes around mm-hmm. and you're continuing to listen to a lot of what's on the radio. But then during this time, Mumford and Sons 
yeah. blows up. Blows up. And they're a, a fave of yours and something that we've had many conversations long, about. Long time fave. Yeah. That would have been my sophomore year. I think I mm-hmm. started listening to Mumford. And I don't even remember who introduced me to them. Again, honestly, it might have been my older brother. Ben, I think, played like a bigger role in my musical taste than I realized. So started listening to Mumford. My roommate that I was listening to was my friend Amanda. Mentioned her previously. She lived down the street from me. We lived together in college our sophomore year. And the week that I started listening to Mumford, I was in our apartment and I was like humming one of their songs. And she was like, what, what are you listening to? What are you singing? It's like, oh, it's like this new band. I started listening to Mumford and Sons. And we had unknowingly both started listening to Mumford the same week. <laughs> so it was like this really fun discovery that we made of this band at the same time. And I would say for me, Mumford was kind of one of the first bands that when I heard them, I felt like this is the kind of music that I like. This is what I've been waiting for, both mm. in their lyrics and in their music. It was just really powerful. And I just really connected to Mumford. Like I hadn't connected to a lot of other music before. So right. I just really fell in love with them. And at my wedding, um, Amanda was my maid of honor and she actually read a portion of the song Sigh No More in her maid of honor speech. So Mumford was like, oh, really cool. important to both of us <laughs> for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. You mentioned that their music was, you know, kind of like what you wanted to have be what you listen to from music. Why do you think that was the case? Man, I want to say this without sounding like super cheesy, but for me, it was the poetry behind the lyrics. It just hit me on a different level. I felt like there were so many different layers that I could relate to that was beyond just talking about boys in relationships. I felt like it spoke to a lot bigger issues in life that you think about and that you kind of experience. The song in particular, After the Storm, it's the very last song on the Sign No More album, is, I just think it's absolutely beautiful. And I'm an English teacher, and I love words, I love writing, I love reading, and so finding a band that... I feel like said so much more in their lyrics than what they were even saying. It was like hearing poetry every time. And I just really loved that. So I felt like there was a lot that I could unpack and it was actual music that I really just loved. Yeah. Oh, he's, I definitely agree that Marcus's he's a good songwriter. words are just so poetic. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He, uh, they're so gray. They're, they're, yeah, um, that's and a there's good multiple in, interpretations. Yeah, that come with his music. Yeah, I like that word for it. He like lives in this middle ground, yeah. where it like it he could draw a large audience, a really broad audience, because they're they can be interpreted so many ways. Totally, you got a cool story of how you got to see Mumford. Well, yeah, too. Uh, my husband and I we had been dating for like a year. And we were going to go see them. We were going to Kansas City. So we live in Michigan. So this was like a commitment to go see this concert. To give a little more context, they were doing the, is it called The Gentleman on the Road? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they would take this train out uh, west and one of the stops was Kansas City, right? Kansas City, yeah. So we were supposed to see them, I think it was in June. 
it was right after I graduated college and there was a health issue with, and I don't remember a hundred percent, so I don't want to misspeak. There was a significant health issue with one of the band members. Mm-hmm. And so the concert was canceled in June. It was rescheduled. He recovered. He was okay. So we went out maybe in August or July of the same year, same summer, drove out to Kansas city and it was their last show before they like took a super long hiatus from performing music. So we got to see kind of like this very, this last performance that they were giving because after the show, like they went home, they were done for a super long time and they played every single song from the two albums that they had released. And then like, when they went off stage and came back for their encore, they had this amazing, and I still, honestly, I don't know if I have the recording anymore now because, you know, you change cell phones and you might lose it. Mm -hmm. But I had this recording of them and it was just this like tiny acoustic set and all of them were gathered around a microphone and they sang like three of their songs. Like I would imagine they sing them together, like on a train. And it was such a cool experience just to be able to hear every single song on both albums. It was a long concert, but man, it was so worth it. I have, and I think Brent would agree, like we have not been to a concert as good as that one ever. I'm not sure anything could top that. Wow. Yeah. I've been fortunate to see them live. It was after Wildermine. Okay. So it was a little, it was a little different with the crowd. Yeah. Um, Well, Wildermine was a very different album. Yeah. So, the crowd was not as into it with the Wilder Mind songs, but whenever there were songs from Sigh No More or Babel, I can imagine. It was it was full out with the crowd. So Yeah. And that was those two albums were the ones they played. So this was Yeah. This was powerful. Delightful probably. Yeah. So good. I would relive that memory. Like if time machines were real, Kyle, I would go back and relive that moment. Wow. It was good. What do you think of their last two albums? You know, I haven't kept up with them. Hmm. I didn't listen to Wilder Mind as much, and I the one that their most recent one I haven't listened to much at all. I kind of did like a, a listen through and it was just like maybe this time in my life where I just don't have as much time to sit and listen to music or like dedicate to it. I don't know. It just didn't strike me quite the same. Not that I think that they are any less talented. It just kind of, yeah, I didn't keep up with them. Okay. Yeah. During this time as well, Regina Spector and Ingrid yeah. Michelson, two female singer-songwriters, are really jiving with you. Talk about them. I listened, uh, listened to a lot of Regina Spector. Her album, Far, I loved, loved like every single song on that album. And then, again, kind of the same with Mumford. I, I didn't keep up with a lot of Regina's newer stuff. I listened to a lot of Ben Folds at this time, too. So it was kind of like those three. I listened to Ben Folds and Ingrid Michelson and Regina Spector a lot. They were like my bus music at Grand Valley. Like two campuses, one downtown and one out in Allendale. And yeah. there's a bus that runs between them. And so those were like my bus artists. And I miss that. I did, too. I miss <laughs> I miss listening to music on the way to class on the bus. It was a half hour ride. So you got yeah. a lot of good listening done, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, you could probably go back and ride the bus if you really wanted. Honestly. <laughs> I mean, just put your mask on, but like go ride the bus if you want. 
You're an alumni. I, I know. I just. The time. Yeah. I know. So Ingrid Michaelson, I saw at Calvin College, and she is one of the only artists I've seen that I think is far and away better in person than she is even on her albums. Wow. She did this crazy talented thing where she had like a loop pedal and she looped her own voice and she like told the story about how she sang, I'm pretty sure at like Carnegie Hall and how she Mm -hmm. did this like loop thing successfully for the first time, like once. And then she did it for us at Kelvin. So (laughs) she was like, super talented and what was kind of shocking about that is I I really like her music and she's also obsessed with Stranger Things which I am not and so she kind of lost me in her last album she wrote like an entire album based on Stranger Things oh yeah I don't know if you knew that okay no interesting but anyway a lot of her music I felt was like it's simple, it's clear, it's beautiful when you listen to it, like it's to the point and then here she comes live and it just added this entirely different dimension and her talent live I feel like does not come through on her albums which just doesn't happen a lot. So yeah, I was not disappointed at all seeing her. It was a really, really cool experience. There's only been one concert that I have ever come away feeling like really disappointed with. And that was John Mayer, my freshman year of college. Wow. I listened to a lot of John Mayer, like end of high school, beginning of, of college. And then I went to see John Mayer at Van Andel. And I have not listened to any John Mayer songs since I saw him in person. I don't know why. <laughs> it was like a boring concert. And I just was like, no. <laughs> I don't like John Mayer anymore. And that was it for me. That's so crazy. Because... Yeah. All I've ever heard from people who've seen John Mayer is that he's amazing live. Mm. Just uh, he was not like he was bad. I just felt like bored, I guess, and I felt like I don't need to listen to John Mayer anymore, and I haven't. I really haven't. <laughs> and that that was the end of it for me. I don't know why. Interesting. Yeah. It's like college is just there's so much I feel like for so much. for you um, during this time, and. Two bands, uh, Run Collective and Gunger, they're, yes. they're, they're Christian bands. And during that time, what, uh, what was driving you to come back to listening to some Christian music and specifically those bands? I think I never, I never, I would say I never lo- stopped listening to Christian music. I just, I have always and still do kind of struggle with radio Christian music. I feel like yeah. It's lacking, and and this is going to touch on a whole different thing, but I think it, it is worth saying. Sometimes I feel like Christian music speaks only to privilege, yeah, and that is really hard for me. And so Gunger really got my attention because after their album Beautiful Things, Ghosts Upon the Earth, it is not an overtly Christian album. And so similar to Mumford when you describe they kind of live in this gray, and same with a lot of other bands really it's I don't know even the genre that you would call it of Christian music but they tap into these other pieces of Christianity and maybe these deeper questions and these deeper thoughts and thinking that lets you really enjoy Christian music but lets you enjoy the music part of it I guess Mm -hmm. I have always struggled with listening to the radio and finding any connection with the majority of really popular Christian songs 
there's more to Christianity than waking up in a little bit of a bad mood and then, you know, coffee and Jesus fixing it. <laughs> so <laughs> I, that is like a harsh statement to blanket Christian music, but it's uh, pretty accurate too, though. Yeah, it's tough. Um, so Gunger was kind of this first Christian band that started to speak to what I really believed about Jesus, what I really believed about God. And then I found Ren Collective my junior year through their Campfire album. And the song that I first heard was Build Your Kingdom Here, which they do play on the radio sometimes. Mm-hmm. But it was like so happy and like positive. And again, it kind of hit me in the same way Mumford did. Like, I have not heard music like this before. And the album immediately following the Campfire album for Ren Collective is The Art of Celebration. And that is probably, could potentially be my favorite album of all time. I got to see Ren Collective in concert a couple years ago in Holland and was hands down the most fun. Mumford maybe the most meaningful concert, but being able to see Ren Collective was just celebration. And I feel like that is so much of their music. But I think I... Art of Celebration is maybe my yeah favorite album of all time. And I don't know exactly why, other than I think what they have to say about Christ and about faith is powerful and it's real and it's not sugar-coated. And I think that's what's really important and speaks to me about both them and Gunger, which Gunger is not like producing new music anymore, which is kind of sad. Right. But... I got to see them at the intersection with their Ghost Upon the Earth album, and that was really cool. So I always think that I haven't seen a lot of concerts, and then we started talking about all this music, and I was like, no, I've pretty much seen every band that I love, and I don't even know that. <laughs> so I don't even... Well, that's good that you've seen them then. Yeah. Also with my yeah. older brother. I, like, way that's... underestimated his music influence in my life. Way underestimated. Post-college you had a a change of life obviously because it's post-college but uh you started working uh, a a new job and you had this really incredible experience with like christian (laughs) hip-hop of lecrae (laughs) based on this job talk about that so i worked at a residential facility with all boys and all the boys there are there because they're court ordered to be there so taking this job was a lot outside of my comfort zone in fact when I interviewed at this job at the end of the interview I remember telling Brent we were dating at the time like yeah I am not qualified for this job then they called and offered me the job and I was like yeah I'll take it so it was a bit of a spontaneous decision and then this was the first time I do think this is important to note this was really the first time in my life where I was a minority in a situation And experiencing that for the first time in anyone's life, I think is, it's going to change you and it should. Yeah. So I worked as my job title was youth counselor. I didn't counsel anyone, but I was really there as kind of like a mentor role and to um, be there on the weekends. I worked full-time during the weekend and part-time on the weekend. And this job was truly one of the most life-changing things I've experienced. And it was one of those things where you know, the intention was that I was there to help them, but I fully believe the impact was bigger on me. So 
I worked there for about six months because it's hard to work seven days a week for longer than that. And while I was there, the person that all of these boys looked up to the most, without a doubt, often had them listen to Lecrae and to Andy Minio and these other Christian rappers. And again, that's something clearly that I would naturally gravitate toward. But I experienced going to what they call actually hip-hop church with them. I got to take Mm -hmm. them. And then in the car, so I worked there on Sundays, I was actually able to take them to church. Like boys who were allowed to leave the unit, I could take them to church. And they just blasted Lecrae. And so I learned (laughs) so much Lecrae on my way to church. And songs like Background and Church Clap. And gosh, I would have to go back and look at all of the titles. But Lecrae was not something that I would have chosen, I think, on my own. And now when I listen to Lecrae, I have this super strong emotional attachment of like, this time in my life really changed me. And I wonder, I mean, this was five years ago. So most like these boys are older now. Do they still listen to Lecrae? What happened to them? Where are their lives? And it's powerful to experience musical music that's important to someone else. Yeah. And it wasn't music that would have been important to me, except for the fact, one, Lecrae is incredibly talented. I do have to say that. Incredibly talented. And it's just not something I would have picked on my own. So it, it was really powerful to witness something that mattered to so much to other people. And then it matters to me in a different way because I can't always relate. But yeah, every time I hear Lecrae, I get this weird emotional feeling. And as I was kind of thinking about talking um, today, as I was thinking about it over this week, I was listening to Lecrae on my way to school on my drive in. And there were so many Mm -hmm. mornings just in tears because this time of my life was really significant. So yeah. Lecrae is really special to me. Andy Minio is special to me, these artists, in a much different way than other music in my life. What do you think it was about his lyrics that were so inspirational to you? Or even for those uh, yeah, for those, those boys? I think it gives them hope. I think it's relatable to them. Um, it gives them hope. And it he offers an alternate path and he speaks so much truth. And so he highlights these different ways of living for these boys. Lecrae talks so much about like before I was this way and then I came to know Jesus and now I am this way. And you may think life is this way, but really it's this way. So it was so relatable and so easy for these boys to really tap into like, I don't want to live this way anymore. I want to be this way. I want to be this person. And the verses were so catchy and so powerful that they could sing them at any time, even if we weren't listening to look. Yeah. And I feel like each kid, so there are 11 boys on the unit and I can like very distinctly remember, I don't remember the titles. I'll just have to look at the album, but each kid had like a song that worked for them. And so they kind of like took on the identity of these songs based on their own life experience. So when I listen to like individual songs, there's a song that he has called Anger Management and I can like see the kid's face who was always like, it's my turn to listen to my song. So I felt like they got to express themselves through his lyrics too. And it was like being able to show adults like this is who I am and this is how I feel through someone else's lyrics. 
it was really moving. Yeah. Well, I feel like with Lecrae, what's what's really cool is he is he's not whitewashing it either. <laughs> to be right. to put it bluntly, right? He's speaking not from a white evangelical perspective as an African American. Right. He's he's speaking as a, a black man, and it, I think it says a lot too when he's collaborating with Ty Dollar Sign and yeah. Uh, John Legend. Yeah, the new song Drown that he has on Restoration on his most recent album. I have listened yeah. to that on my own, and that is like, whoa. Yeah. There's a song that he has, too, called Welcome to America, and this was post when I worked Oh, my goodness. Him. But that yeah. song is like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah. That's powerful. So. Right. Yeah, he's he's a fantastic artist. Since then, uh, your tastes have uh, opened up with artists like Taylor Swift, but then also... I love Taylor Swift. You know, come on. Yeah, let's talk about Taylor. Her middle name's Allison. My name's Allison. Like, come on. (laughs) (laughs) I like Taylor Swift. I like... I listen to Taylor Swift when I feel like I'm in a really good mood. I love the song, The Man. I just love it. I, yeah, I feel like I identify with that song because, like, I have career ambition and that I, it's still unusual, I feel like, for a lot of women, particularly women teachers, to have career ambition. Like, I say all the time, mm-hmm. joking, not joking, that I want to be Secretary of Education one day. And, like, I say it joking <laughs> because I, like, have to say it joking, but it's not a joke. <laughs> like, yeah. I and so I feel like Taylor sings a song about being a man and like having a lot of career ambition and like owning that as a woman is like okay calm down bossy but you know it's like no problem if a man as a teacher wants to be like yeah I'm gonna be superintendent one day they're like yeah of course you can do that so I totally identify with Taylor on that level we've had conversations about your appreciation for lyrics yeah and You've kind of alluded to that being, as a ELA teacher, what it is about lyrics that you appreciate so, so much. I mean, words are powerful. Yeah. I feel like words, famous speeches, powerfully worded phrases have the ability to change and make change. So when I hear those things, for sure, it just really hits home. So it's just the power behind the lyrics. It's the same way that if I read a quote or anything else that's phrased really powerfully that I feel like I can really relate to and identify. And I feel like I always know that I love it if it's something that I hear and I'm like, oh, man, I wish I had said that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> then I, I feel like it it hits at a different level. So I have just I, yeah. and I always have. And my dad still will like send me read something online or in the paper that's worded really powerfully. Like he sends that to me. So I think a lot of my love of well-worded phrases comes from my dad. So language and words are huge for me. Yeah. What is it about music that is so powerful? Why do we listen to it? It's universal. I feel like I've always believed that music I feel like is one of those absolutely universal things all of time, all of life, it doesn't matter. And it's totally accessible at every age and at every level. And I think there are very few things in life that are that way. 
and I don't think music will ever not be that way. It will never not be important and crucial for us as society because it can both change society and reflect society and captures the way people really felt and the way things really were. And that will never change. It will always be a way to move people. Wow. That was, <laughs> that was so well said. It's the words. Well, Allison, thank you so much for doing this. Yeah, it was fun. awesome to, to be able to have this conversation. It was fun to be socially distanced and responsible. Yeah, as everyone else should be, right? Amen. Thank you for listening to Soundtrack with Kyle Lichty. Each person interviewed has created a playlist of the very songs that have impacted their life. If you are interested in listening to their playlist, you can head straight to our website at soundtrack.fireside.fm. Click on Soundtrack Playlist, and it will take you straight to their playlist on Spotify. If you like the podcast and want to know more, check out our Instagram at at soundtrackpodcast or leave us a review on your podcast platform of choice. Join us next time on Soundtrack.